0: And i can see the ground now to wait too, gone, way too gone. all right legends welcome back dude to yet another episode of get around me what a time it is to be alive truly big week of yarns inbound for this week's episode we were in newcastle over the weekend doing gigs up there shout out to the steel city one of australia's truly great towns right on the beach they celebrate the arts And if you want to catch some bloke's hands, you can do that up there too. So a great time in Newcastle as always. Also today, we have the return of a very popular Get Around Me segment, Strikeout City. By popular demand, it is back. And you're in luck because while the gigs were fantastic in Newcastle, I did run extremely poorly with the women of the Steel City. So ups and downs over the weekend. And then also, I'll be recapping the UFC at the end of this episode, and I'd just like to get out in front of this and say I actually had a particularly good day on the punt this weekend. So, if that segment is tinged with a little bit more arrogance than you're used to, that's the reason why. If you're thinking, why is Billy talking about the results of the UFC without sort of a moniker of desperation behind his analysis? Uh, That's because I didn't actually go zero from seven on the punt, but... It's been a big week. We had the Optus outage last week. I was affected, guys. I should have started with this. A week of ups and downs. I was affected by the Optus outage. My God. What an absolute dream that was. How good was it to be off the grid for six hours? Because everyone was off the grid, in my mind. If I'm not contactable, no one's contactable. The universe does, in fact, revolve around me if what my brain has told me is correct. So if I'm not contactable, I can only assume... Those of you on other networks just pegged your phones into the ocean. If Billy D is not online, I don't want to be online, okay? But what a time it was. I, I thought I had anxiety, guys. I think I was just jealous of Logan Paul. My God, four hours without Instagram, I was skipping down the street, dude. I don't know what it is about not keeping up to date with the success of people I hate, but it really chilled me out for whatever reason. Don't psychoanalyze that. We simply don't have the time. But yeah, it was really good, dude. I loved it because I think with the Instagram, I don't want to bash Instagram too much because there's nothing wrong with a good scroll. Nothing wrong, you know, when you settle in, you go for the next 10 minutes, especially if you're on the shitter and you just go, let's have one of the great scrolls, maybe your first scroll of the day. The first scroll of the day is a great scroll. I I think about the first scroll of the day, the way you hear blokes who've smoked for 50 years talk about the first cigarette of the day. That's how I feel about it also. But I think my problem with Instagram and that sort of thing is like all the in-between scrolling. Like my food will be in the microwave for like 37 seconds and I'm like, jump on Insta. You know, my beautiful Lenovo laptop. Often when I'm editing videos, it will take upwards of two to three minutes just to sort of open Google Chrome or whatnot. It's a very, very ancient device. Okay. I believe the Babylonians actually founded Lenovo in the 5th century BC and they've been making laptops ever since, God bless them. Okay. I'm chasing my comedy dream in 2023, editing my clips on a computer from 1997 and often there will be a lot of loading times. And during those times, I'll just whip out Instagram. And it's all these times I'm on Instagram in between doing things. And I think that's where your anxiety can sort of build up from social media because you should just stand there for 90 seconds let your thoughts run a bit i've been seeing people on tiktok it's like a trend to do silent walking where you just walk somewhere with no external stimulus like no tunes or podcasts i saw that and i thought these 16 year olds are absolute freaks they're all going to be half robots in 10 years but honestly it's probably a pretty good concept because i just have Podcasts and music going constantly. Anytime you get a second to yourself, check Instagram, check in on your enemies and people who are doing better than you. It's a horrendous concept. Okay. So people complaining about this Optus outage, I don't know what they were complaining about. It's probably the most relaxed four hours I've had in 2023. I realized once I realized because I thought my iPhone 10's on the fritz anyway. So the first two to three hours of the Optus outage, I thought it was just me. I didn't know that there was an outage. I thought, fuck, this is just the end of my iPhone ten. It already doesn't charge all the time. Like I'm saying a Hail Mary when I plug in the charger. So I whip it off airplane mode on the, on the morning of the, the outage. I see no bars. I assume this is a Billy Darcy problem. Like I said, we are living in a Billy Darcy world, according to my over-enlarged ego. But once I got to work and the work phone, which is also on Optus, doesn't have any bars, till about 11 a.m., I assumed everyone else had full network capabilities on the Optus network. I had no idea what was going on out there. Then I got to 11 a.m. and realized it was like a, an across-the-board thing. And I thought, fuck yeah, dude, how good's this? By the time I got to lunch, I was absolutely skipping, dude. And you're just uncontactable. You feel like not really responsible for anything. How can you hold me accountable for literally anything? That day at work, my boss texted me at 2 p.m. and I got it like once the network came back on and I still haven't replied, you know? I- I'm-, I'm sorry, the network was down. How can you possibly hold me accountable for this stuff when the network's down, okay? I love the Telstra chick or the Minister for Affairs or Communications or whatever. They said it was a problem deep in the core of the network like we're in fucking star wars or something i love the idea that they've sent some engineers like deep into the core like it's the death star do you know what i mean they're walking down all these tunnels these glow-in-the-dark tunnels just filled with 5g and there's like a 5g button and it's it's not on and they're like ah i knew it was the core you know worst excuse ever but regardless dude the optus outage was one of the great days and i think i'll look back on it fondly for the rest of my life. And I heard some people say, oh, I'm so going to... I love when people talk shit to massive multinational corporations and then do nothing about it. People posting online like, well, this is it. Fuck Optus. I'm out. You've done your dash with me. It's like, yeah, dude, I hope Optus, the giant telecommunication conglomerate, let me use that word, okay? Fuck yeah, dude. Conglomerate in the first eight minutes of the pod? This could be anything from here. But yeah, will this conglomerate be able to survive without Jason's $63 a month still paying off his iPhone 4 from who gives a fuck? Okay, so keep your threats to yourself. Enjoy the silence while we had it. And, uh, and yeah, I just thought that was probably the best four hours of my 2023. I've resumed my social media addiction since and my thoughts are just endless, just piling on top of me in an endless, endless wave. But whatever, dude. Let's talk about the week that was. Missions before treats. Here comes some bloody yarns. Okay, so we head up to Newcastle on Friday Arvo. Pat Doherty, the Snake, Rowan Arneal, our darling boy, and I jump in Rowan's... What sort of car is it again? I can't remember, but all I know, it's like a massive Pajero type thing, and it takes about $400 to get to Newcastle in petrol. Okay. We were halfway to Newcastle and we honestly needed like another war in the Middle East to start to bring the petrol prices down. This thing just guzzles it up, dude. But me and Pat are waiting for Rowan, and Pat had to take his dog to his mate's place to get looked after for the weekend. And apparently, there's this service, Uber Pet, where you can order an Uber and they let you take your pet in the car. And I thought this was so funny. Pat was telling me every time he takes his dog Lily in an Uber Pet, The Uber driver is like never expecting a pet. Like every time Uber pet, I just thought this was so funny. I was like, Pat, you got to write this down. Like no Uber pet drivers are ever expecting a pet. So like, it's so funny to be like, the guy's like, welcome to Uber pet. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Have you got a dog in my car, mate? And it's like, yeah, mate, this is Uber pet. What are you expecting? A fucking Tamagotchi brother? Screw your head on. Okay. Okay. So I just thought that was so funny and I told Pat to write it down. And uh, anyway, so we roll into Newcastle at like 7.20. The show's at 7.30. I jump in the shower at 7.25. I'm hosting at 7.30, but it's nothing much can be done in these situations. Driving from Sydney to Newcastle around peak hour, it's like the never-ending journey. Like it took us three and a half hours to get there. Like unless you're going to leave for Newcastle at 10 a.m., just forget about it, dude. It's just, it just never, ever ends, the journey to newy. So, roll in, kind of late, but whatever. Show cranks. Uh, I should have mentioned, when we were walking to the club, power walking. As we're walking along, beautiful twilight, Newcastle, Derby Street. And there's just this couple just mounting each other up against the wall. And I don't want to speak out of school. I don't want to get too blue on this podcast, but... Real graphic stuff from this couple. Like, full, this chick's dress, like, fully pulled up. Can see her G string and everything. This guy's, like, grabbing as much skin as he can, just licking her all up and down. They only stopped because me and Pat were walking past. I felt like a cop in the 50s or something. I was like, hey, you kids, keep your hands off each other. But uh, of course, we walk to the club with this couple still sort of walking and making out while walking. Uh, walking in front of us. But, of course, what happens? We see the sign, Newcastle Comedy Club, and this couple who I can only assume have been at the races all day or something walks straight into the show. What is with people getting this fucked up before comedy shows? And they walk in, like, the girl, I can't even believe she was allowed in. She was, like, swaying around. They sit up the back, just... She's, like, mounting him in the chair... Just like washing machine in each other's face. The show hasn't even started yet. They're so fucked up. I don't understand this at all. Like getting fucked up and going to comedy. Like I love getting fucked up. And if some chick wants to lick my face off for some reason, then yeah, we can have a look at that. But where does comedy come into this? Where where does stand-up comedy come into these people's plans? It's like bucks parties and hens parties that go to stand-up comedy shows. I don't understand it at all. Like when you see a Bucks party at a stand-up comedy show, it's like, oh, sorry, lads. Was holy moly all booked out or something? Couldn't get a table at El Camino. What are you doing here? I've never understood it before at all. And of course, like this couple, like, just didn't watch a second of the show. Just mounting each other. And it's like, just buy some drinks and head home. Just go nuts, mate. I don't know what you're doing here. I've never understood it. If I was playing, if I if it was my bucks party, and you know, let's say Mac is my best man, and he goes, "Don't worry, Bill. Bucks party's all sorted, mate. I've got us eight tickets to the Sydney Comedy Store." I'd be like, "Mate, are you a fucking nerd? What are you talking about? You've been demoted from best man after that. I can't. I don't understand it at all. Why would anybody want to go to stand up comedy to get fucked up? It's just..." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you want to? Do you want to have twelve beers and go to the Avengers later? Like, do you guys know how to get fucked up? I just, I don't understand what people are doing in and around stand-up comedy. But whatever, dude. Um, so that yeah, they were just out to lunch, and so I, I hosted the show. All good stuff. Pat does his Uber Pet bit, which I told him the whole way to Newcastle. I go, this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. We were just laughing our heads off. I just thought it was so funny how no uber pet driver is ever expecting a pet anyway so pat's having a great set and he goes oh man so i got a dog and i use the uber pet service a lot and he's crushing. and then he does uber pet complete silence dude funniest thing i've ever seen i should say complete silence except for me at the back of the room just cried absolutely, just went off a cliff. It, to- it totally torpedoed his set, dude. It was absolutely hilarious. And show was great. I opened the second half. I said, I'm a six on stage. And this girl said, you wish, which is pretty offensive in Newcastle as well. I'm a Sydney six, which does make me a Newcastle 7.5. So for a girl in Newcastle to say, I'm not a six in the steel city, is one of the most offensive things I've heard. And I think you would all agree with me. Okay. Because usually when I say I'm a six, I'm sort of fishing. I'm hoping someone pipes up and says, nah, Bill, six and a half. So that was tough. Okay. I put my hand up above the lights, hoping maybe this girl only had one arm or some physical deformity I could attack her over. Um, to my horror, she was very attractive. And from what I could tell in the dim lights, extremely symmetrical. So I had to eat that. Okay. And, and that was that. We had a fantastic show. Ron closed it out and we went out in Newey uh, for an absolute time. I will say the tunes in the Steel City uh, at the pubs and clubs. I'm talking the Delaney Hotel. I'm talking Finnegan's, which I didn't walk into, but I could hear from the outside. I'm talking other places we went. It's like 2012 up there, dude. It's insane. I have not heard this much flow rider since I was 18 myself. At one point, I was walking to the bathroom and there's just an empty dance floor at the Delaney Hotel. And this guy on the decks is just pumping Fergalicious, just pumping it as hard as he can. And I was like, dude, I got to get out of here. Like, what is going on in this town, you know? So, a lot of good times in Newey. Yeah, didn't run that well with the women of Newcastle, I will say. Pat was doing... He's doing 100 days sober, so he's got like a week to go. He wasn't even drinking. Uh, Didn't stop him from being the horniest man on tour, so fair play to Pat. But yeah, dude. So we went to get a kebab Friday night. Vintage Newey. This is vintage Newey in that we literally did nothing and a bloke tried to fight us. And that's the Steel City. You can't take it personally if a bloke wants to put two hands up in your face and see if you also have mental health issues you're looking to solve through your fists, okay? Unfortunately for this bloke, you know, we just didn't really have the energy to send it back his way. How's this? We walk into the kebab store. It's completely empty except for two blokes standing on the outside on the road. And I walk up to to order because I'm not a fucking idiot. Kebab stores have like three things. And if you don't know what you want, get out of here. And this guy goes, what are you doing, mate? There's a fucking line. And I go what it's just two blokes standing like 10 meters away from the store he goes mate i was just about to order there's a line brother what's wrong with you i said mate this isn't even close to a line you wouldn't know a line if it hit you in your stupid head but i said what i will do mate is i will respect this line even though it's clear you don't know what one looks like so then let these blokes order in front of us they don't even know what to order like i said it's a kebab store There's only three things. This bloke who tried to start us goes, could I get a kebab snack pack? He wants a kebab snack pack. The guy behind the counter goes, which one, cunt? Okay. A kebab snack pack? Do you also want a Coke fanner? What world are you living in, brother? Okay, switch on. So then this guy spends five minutes working out whether he wants a kebab or a snack pack. It turns out he doesn't have any money and he has to share with his friend. So I'm standing behind him going, mate, I know exactly what I want. I've known what I've wanted for the last eight years. Then while he's waiting for his kebab snack pack, spends the whole time having a go at us. Uh, Lucky for us, he was about five foot six. And even someone such as myself who can't really throw hands, I'm 0-1 and even I wasn't intimidated, okay? And so he's having a go at us. We're sort of not really having a go at him. Rowan, at one point, was eating his kebab, stands over him and goes, you could have one of these to yourself if you had any money, you bloody loser. And that was Rowan. Rowan's a lot more aggressive than me. And it was absolutely hilarious. So those blokes push off. And how's this? This is vintage Nui. So then a couple other blokes. I want to say these blokes are like about uh, 30 or so. They get a couple of kebabs. And then there's these like 16 year old lads out the front, still proper lads rocking around in Newey, which is pretty cool to see. And these blokes with their kebabs, the lads start having a go at them. And then the 30 year olds are walking across the road, and shock, horror, once the lad, the 30 year olds, I should say, got to about 10 to 15 meters away, you know, the safety radius, they start mugging off these 16 year old lads. And. I, at the time, thought this is not a good idea. There was about five of these lads plus four lasses who they're no doubt very keen to impress. And these 30-year-old blokes, once they got across the road, it's a two-laner, they start, you know, doing the fuck off lads, you know, USA losers, this sort of stuff, mugging them off. And it's all fun and games for about five minutes until one of the girl lasses walks across the road and goes, Oh, you're going to say it to the blokes, but you won't say it to a girl. And then at this point now, the lads are like, are you talking shit to my missus? Like, And now it's... it's Anyway, long story short, I saw a group of 16-year-old blokes beat up two 30-year-old men. And it was confronting, to say the least. They didn't beat them up, but they just threw them into a few walls. I don't think any punches were thrown. And the uh, big crowd on our side of the road, it was a fucking awesome to watch. I really enjoyed it, actually. Because... I had the guilt-free experience of knowing that these 30-year-olds were asking for it, okay? And I don't know where these 30-year-olds from. They looked like PR types, definitely white collar. But the thing you have to understand is that these aren't normal 16-year-olds. These are Newcastle, Steel City 16-year-olds. We're talking Carrington. We're talking the outer suburbs. We're talking dad wasn't around, okay? We're talking frozen pizzas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're talking a single-parent household where this kid... You know, him against the world. These aren't your regular city 16-year-olds. These kids were hard as fuck, okay? And anyone with two eyes could have seen it. So, these 30-year-olds ended up, like, having to, like, ditch their kebabs and run for their life. Like, proper sprint away. So, just a reminder that if you do find yourself in the Steel City getting antagonized by a group of 16-year-olds, that, hey, don't think these are your regular 16-year-olds because they're not. They're Steel City 16-year-olds and they're not fucking around, okay? Okay? So that was fantastic to see and I wish those kids the best in what will no doubt be a very, very tough life for them. Anyway, so a strikeout city coming up next from Newcastle. The girl from the crowd who said I was a six, I got her Instagram on the Friday. She came up to me after the show and then on the Saturday night she texts me saying what are you up to tonight? Sorry again for saying you're a six, lol. You know, lol indeed, my feelings are hurt but if we're laughing out loud, that's okay. And she said, I'm surprised you didn't have a go at me. I was preparing myself for ruin. And I said, no, nah, I was absolutely hilarious. I honestly just ran out of time, which is true. If I had more time, if she heckled me two minutes into my allotted 10, might have been a different story. But I only had one minute left to bring on the next act. So I couldn't do much about that except compliment her on the fact that she was in fact not a six. So I said, uh, I honestly just ran out of time. And then she texts back saying... Maybe you can ruin me later tonight, lol. Which I think we can all agree is one of the more aggressive messages you could receive on a Saturday night at 10 to 8. So I said, lol, are you out and about tonight? Okay. And here we bloody go. At this point, I'm thinking I'm probably getting mugged off here. This message seems too forward. But at the same time, you simply must dream. And this is within the context of a six-week dry streak from yours truly. Now, I know you're thinking, six weeks, Bill, round that up. And you're right. It's two months. I was trying to impress you. So a two-month dry streak, and then you receive a message with this sort of sexual venom behind it. Yeah, it did take my attention. So then I'm sort of messaging her. She's like, what time does the show finish? We're going to Finnegan's. Come meet us there. Which I'm like, if you haven't been to Newcastle, Finnegan's is like the most full-on disgusting club in town, like, I personally can't walk in there unless I'm on stimulants. Like it's just it's just an absolute cesspit of a place. And I don't really want to be going in there at this stage in my life. Okay, so I go Finnegan's, uh luckily for me, Pat Doherty has no form of formal ID and he can't get into Finnegans because they they have the ID scanners because of all the people that get glass there. So I said, All right, me and Ro might come to Finnegan's later. Tell them one of the great sixes is inbound. Bit of banter from yours truly. She said, I thought we already established six was the wrong number. And I said, fine, I'm a nine. And she said, wow, you really are a comedian. So, you know, the banter's flowing. I've still got that ruined message in the back of my mind thinking we could be on here. I said, we're not going to Finnegan's. We're going to this other pub. She goes, yeah, probably for the best. I think they only let sevens and above into Finnegan's anyway. So, you know, a lot of negging, a lot of flirting, a lot of banter. Okay, we're looking good. And then... She goes, dun, dun, dun. I'm heading home. Where are you staying? Right At this point, I'm thinking, what is happening with this chick? Like, I'm pretty much in there like swimwear. I don't know what you guys are freaking deeming from these messages, but my God, I'm thinking, fucking oath, dude. It's on for young and old. It's, it's, I'm going to be like that couple at the back of the room in the first show just hooking up with this girl very embarrassingly on Derby Street in Newcastle. That, they're the sort of images I've got in my head at this point. Uh, She goes, all right, uh, what pub are you at? I said, we're going to Lucky's. And then, yeah, basically, yeah, I'm just scrolling through these messages. Just a lot of mugging off after the original sexually explicit messages, guys. And then she goes, "Uh, I'm staying at this hotel. I'm in bed now, dreaming of you. Winky face, okay? Now, at this point, really, the mug off is complete, okay? And I said, "Uh, what's going on? Are we hanging out tonight? And she goes, oh, pretty unlikely, but I'd be interested to know the lengths you would go to hang out with me, right? So at this point, I'm just like, I've just been strung along for upwards of seven hours via these increasingly sexually explicit messages, a couple of which I haven't read out on the broadcast. And dude, what the fuck? Okay. So then, and then I replied, uh, the lengths I would go to stopped well before Finnegan's, which was just my very mild attempt at reclaiming some of my dignity and she said, well, fair enough. You won't be dragging me out of bed anyway, so have a good night. And that was the end of that. So absolutely mugged senseless by one of Newcastle's finest women. In though, in fact, though, she is actually from Sydney and was up for the weekend also. But my God, from the first message of maybe you can ruin me later tonight to just... And that was the tone of a lot of this stuff. My God, dude. Okay. So, and it, it was a shame because... I thought maybe Rowan could potentially meet one of her friends. Just an absolute mugging from start to finish. Uh, shout out to my girl Carly, okay? A great girl nonetheless. And do you know what? Way too much for me, babe. You had me hook, line, and sinker. Here's the thing. When she said, maybe you can ruin me later tonight, I think we all knew. Maybe I didn't want to admit it to myself, but I think we all knew that a mug off was inbound, Okay. Either a mug off is inbound or I'm like Zach Efron all of a sudden. And I think we know which of the two is far more likely. So, fair play to Carly. Too good for me, babe. And we move on to our next story, which is... <laughs> <laughs> this story is so funny. So, here's the thing. Like, I put on my Instagram story this week. Uh, not a lot to talk about this week, team. Like, what's the goss? is anyone... Got anything good to talk about and a lot of people asked for Strikeout City to come back. So, there you go. And then also, this is the one news story I saw this week that I actually thought was hilarious. Okay. So, up next, we have AFL legend Warwick Kappa has opened a brothel in Melbourne, which is not hilarious because brothels, you know, the world's oldest industry, if you believe that, and... It's not funny that he's opened a brothel because he's a wild guy and it's a it's a thriving industry, okay? Finally, we have a sports star with a bit of business now. Move over Steve Smith and Koala Mattresses, Warwick Kappa and his brothel in Melbourne are here to play. So it's a fantastic move from Warwick, there's no doubt. What is funny, and also I should mention this comes... It coincides with the decriminalization of prostitution in Melbourne. So, Warwick knows what he's doing, okay? He's probably been waiting to open this brothel for upwards of a decade. The funniest thing is the press tour this bloke is doing. <laughs> he's doing, like, television interviews and, like, network, uh, like, online news interviews, like, spruking his brothel, which is just the funniest thing, dude. I mean, these sports stars, you've got to get into some form of business after your playing career, and Warwick's done exactly that. You know, we had Michael Clark spruking his lemon, lime, and bitters the other week on a current affair. Mate, get the fuck out of here, Clarky. We've got a real businessman in town, okay? So, Warwick Kappa, I didn't write down the name of the brothel, but whatever it's called in Melbourne, he's spent a couple hundred thousand sprucing the place up. It's got a stripper pole and a, and a spa. He said he'll be in there using those. And he'll be dressed up as a pimp daddy if, if, when people come into the brothel. like It's just so funny to market a brothel this way. And, and more power to him. Warwick Kappa said, it does feel like home in there at his brothel. Uh, most likely because of all the prostitutes. It, it appears he's a massive fan of the industry. So, shout out. And it's just so funny, dude. He said his brothel will have bi-monthly barbecues for clients which I thought was a fantastic note guys. Now, I personally, I should come clean, have never uh, engaged the services of a prostitute. Not because I'm against the industry in any way shape or form. It's just never really come up. And I've never really I don't know. Yeah. None of my mates really do it. It's never come up in my life for whatever reason. But I know some blokes who get in there and more power to them. It's a thriving industry and and the decriminalization has come couldn't come soon enough if you ask me. But these bi-monthly barbecues I'd like to highlight because I've spoken to some of my mates who do go to brothels and I think one of their big criticisms has been the lack of community, okay? You know, you join a gym, you join a sporting club, you're joining not only to be playing soccer, but you're joining for the social side and I think Warwick's really identified that. You know, you you don't just want to go there, you don't want it to be a transaction. You don't want to just pay for your hour, in and out, you know, it's you want to feel uh, part of that community. You want to feel like a valued member of the brothel itself. And I think Warwick's identified that and good on him. Okay. There's, if there has been one criticism of brothels over the years, it probably has been the culture, the lack thereof. So well done to Warwick. Uh, it said, I read in the article, he's previously worked as a, lolly ma- a lollipop man. He started a coffee van and he went on celebrity big brother. So, Really, each of those ventures more degrading than the last. And it's great to see him finally land on his feet then. I I, I pictured, when I read the coffee cart thing, I pictured Warwick making coffees in his coffee van and then just having a eureka moment going, everyone loves coffee. He goes, do you know what people love more than coffee? Ding. (laughs) Oh my God. And he said on the article, he is keen to grow his brothel empire. Now that's the mindset of a champion. Okay, any schmuck can open one brothel. I saw this Andrew Schultz quote the other day, the comedian. He said, a lot of comedians just want to make a living off it. He said, if that's your goal, that's all you'll ever do. And I I was reminded of that quote when I was reading about Warwick Capper. You know, too many men or women want to open a brothel. They want the one brothel to be successful. Nah, if that's your goal, that's all you'll ever get to. Warwick is already looking at locations in Hobart and and Adelaide apparently he's massive in those towns and and more power to him. Yeah, he said the empire is only growing from here and uh, I look forward to following his success. I love that he kept talking about like how famous he is in those cities and like how his friends will be going there. Like I, I think he thinks a lot of people will be going to the brothel to to have sex with the prostitute and or gain an audience with the great man. So, you know, his ego's as big as ever. He's a he's a businessman with a lot of nous, and I wish him the best. Now, up next, uh, the project for this week. I want to do the project and then talk about UFC at the end. So, the project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent killing it here and abroad. A couple of things this week. Firstly, send in Laura Enova, Australian uh, former pro surfer, current big wave surfer. She has broken a Guinness World Record for the largest wave ever paddled into by a woman. 13.3 meters in Oahu in Hawaii. She was an alternate for the Eddie Invitational, the big wave comp. I don't know how the alternates work. I guess if someone pulls out injured, which didn't happen. So her and her mate paddled out to some reef, paddled into this monster and... The distinction is it's a paddle in, okay? Any make-a-wish kid can get towed in. You could tow me into a 40-foot wave. I'm not saying I'm going to make it, but I'm saying that I'll hold on for as long as I can. But to paddle into this thing, my God, it was fucking enormous, dude. Big wave surfing is just nuts. It's got to be the scariest thing on the planet. I would never, ever, ever want to do it. It just seems... It's crazy that she can paddle into this 13.3-meter thing and I can paddle in to a one-foot closeout down at Queen's End. Technically, we're both surfing, in quotation marks. I mean, what Laura's doing and these big wave lunatics, like they need another word for it because it's just a completely different thing in and of itself. So scary, dude. I don't know. I guess it's like an adrenaline thing, obviously. And I guess, you know, once you go 10 meters, you go. going, let's go 11, and so on and so forth. So fair play to Laura Ediver. She's just an absolute... Gem, an Australian treasure, a North Narrow being local. Shout out to the North. Okay. The Ivory Tower has produced yet another champion, yet another successful person, and we love to see it. Now, up next, how do you say this? So I wrote it down Broly. Yeah, Broly. Okay. So there's this new app. It's a free streaming platform called Broly, and it's by Umbrella Media. It's a free streaming platform launching on November 23, and it's for independent Aussie films. So it's like Netflix, but for independent Aussie films, and it's completely free. They have over 300 films on there. I love this idea, guys. You know, I'm always banging on. We don't promote our own art enough in this country. I feel strongly about it, and this is just such a great idea. You know, you always hear... Maybe, I don't know, not as much, but 10 years ago, people would always just trash Aussie films. Like People, I don't know, it just didn't have a good reputation. It wasn't cool to watch and stuff. And this platform is a great way because if it's not for platforms like this, you're sort of at the beck and call of Netflix putting on three Aussie films a year. Do you know what I mean? So now with something like this launching, and it's free as well, so you don't have to go out of your way you got access to all these fantastic independent Aussie films. A lot of great titles on there, including Two Hands with Heath Ledger and Rose Byrne. I don't know if anyone's seen that film, but it's an absolute banger. And I'm just making this up. This wasn't in the article, but I assume that going forward, if people are making independent Aussie films and they can't find a home for them, they can put them onto Broly. Again, I've just made that up, but that makes a lot of sense. So this is a fantastic initiative. Shout out to Umbrella Media, whoever they are, but it's a great idea, and I just love this, you know? I think if Volk can become the pound-for-pound pound best fighter on the planet out of Windang, New South Wales, why can't some of the best art on God's green earth come from here as well? So a fantastic idea. It's Broly. It's spelled B-R-O-L-L-I-E. Launches November 23, so get around that, dude. Okay, now just to bring us home... Like to talk about UFC two nine five, which happened over the weekend. Unbelievable card! Holy shit, dude! I think the whole main card went for like ten minutes. Like four first round finishes in a row, and then a second round finish. So much fun! We came back from Newcastle on the Sunday morning. Rowan dropped us at Hornsby train station. I went all the way from Newcastle to Freshwater on the Northern Beaches to go to Adzi's place, and yeah. So good. Ad- Adzi bought me and macker out of our obnoxious, like, 80-inch television. You're basically in Hoyt Cinema 7 with this thing. I fucking love it. And it was one of the great days. I actually had a pretty decent day on the punt. So I don't know if anyone listened to my tips last weekend, but you would be a very rich man if you did. So first up, we had Alex Pereira versus Yuri Prohaska. Wow. What a fight. Powhatan, second round stoppage for Pereira. So sick. Okay. Was the stoppage early? I don't know, dude. When it happened, I thought that's early. And it was kind of like a bit of an anti-climax. It was like, oh no, it's over. Because I just wanted that fight to never end. It was so fun. Like just hook up 25 rounds of that to my veins every weekend. I should have watched that. I wish I could have watched that fight before I went to Newcastle. Maybe I would have been able to stand up to that pelican at the kebab shop with a bit more venom. But you know, Yuri, he was unconscious briefly. But at the same time, it's Yuri Prahaska. He's a samurai. He was unconscious against Dominic Reyes and he still won that fight. Okay. Just because Yuri Prahaska is unconscious doesn't mean the fight should be stopped. I think he should have his own set of rules. Like every like most every other fight should get stopped if a man is unconscious. Yiri has to be unconscious for at least two full seconds. Okay, Because he was unconscious against Dominic Reyes. And then two minutes later, Dominic Reyes was getting stretched out of the octagon. So I think we do need to have separate rules if you are a fully qualified samurai, as Yuri is. You know, Yuri's need for oxygen is not the same as the average man. So I could have seen it go an extra second or two. He probably just gets pounded out and that's that. But do you know what I mean? It does just sort of remove that asterisk. Any, even though Yiri did say afterwards, I was out, good stoppage. You know, he was concussed and stuff. I don't too, put too much weight on that. But whatever. I had... Uh, my bets for this fight were fight to start round two. And I had Poetan knockout rounds two, three, four. So, all's well that ends well there. The face-off was the sickest thing ever. Okay? Holy shit. They just didn't blink for like 10 minutes. And... This is so sick, dude. Like, you don't have to be talking shit to be a character in the UFC. It's my, my one thing in the UFC is like people complain, or the fighters complain, it's not a meritocracy. Why am I getting a title shot? You know, I let, I let my uh, fists do the talking, or I do my work in the octagon. It's like you don't have to be talking wild shit to be a character. These are two guys with English as a second language. Poetan doesn't even speak English. Two wild characters, dude. No beef. The press conference was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Honestly, great stuff, guys. They're just not personalities in that way. But UFC should be only freaks and geeks, dude. You know, you see these boring American wrestlers and guys like Bilal Muhammad, like, where's my title shot? It's like, it's sports entertainment. At some point, Bilal, you do have to entertain someone briefly either in or out of the octagon. Colby Covington is basically a takedown lay-and-pray merchant. But I'm tuning into the press conference. Poetan and Yiri, they're the most boring talkers of all time, but they're characters, dude. One guy's a samurai. The other guy's like an indigenous Brazilian hunter who doesn't blink. It's fucking awesome. I just love this shit, dude. So, so enjoyable. Poetan now, two-time... Two-division glory, kickboxing champ, two-division UFC champ. Hopefully, this leads to way more kickboxers coming to UFC. Uh, that's Maka's take, not mine. But yeah, Macca made a great point. Hopefully, this leads to way more kickboxers coming to the UFC. And I know people say you're a casual if you don't like grappling. I like grappling. I enjoy watching the scrambles, and I enjoy watching the Dagestanis to a certain extent. But it's like, really, dude? You want to see blokes stand and bang. And let's get more glory kickboxers in the mix. My God. Okay? Anyone who likes grappling, great. There's Flow Grappling events on YouTube. They get 67 views. Go and enjoy them. Okay? But when we're paying $75 for the pay-per-view, I did not chip in. Thank you, Adzi, for having me at your home. But when Adzi's paying $75 for the pay-per-view, we want to see the boys stand and bang. And matchups like this just absolutely... Get my blood going, okay? And then afterwards, uh, Powhatan gets on the mic and says, Adesanya, come to daddy. And I don't want to speak out of school. I don't want to be that guy. But I did say on the podcast, if Powhatan wins, Israel goes up to 205 for the undisputed light heavyweight strap at UFC 300. Make it happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Izzy seems to have no interest in it. He laughed off the call out, but... He laughed off the call out the same way I laughed around those lads in Newcastle outside the kebab store when they were swearing at anyone and everyone. I was like, ha, 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 You know what I mean? I was laughing at the lads, but I was scared of them. And they knew it. And I think Israel laughed in the same way. Very tough time to be an Israel Adesanya fan. Again, I don't care that he lost to Sean Strickland. I ride for Izzy. I'm on the train. And when I get on trains, I don't get off them. But... It's not that he lost to Sean Strickland. It's that he didn't really try or turn up. And now the optics are just so shit because Poetan is the undisputed light heavyweight champion. The opportunity's there. I think Izzy gets knocked at 205, dude. I don't like the fight for him at all. I just think Pereira will be too big at 205. I think it's I think it's a good matchup for him, you know, because it's going to stay on the feet. It's just very tough against Alex Pereira because his weaknesses line up with Izzy's. So it's just this weird thing where Izzy's fighting the one guy who's as good if not better than him at kickboxing, but he's also much bigger and more powerful than him at middleweight. If they go to 205, what's Pereira going to be weighing in the cage? It's going to be it's going to be a very tough uphill battle for Izzy. You know what I mean? For Izzy to win that fight, he probably has to take Pereira to a decision at 205. It's going to be a lot harder to knock him out, I would think. So, yeah, tough time to be an Izzy fan. His banter online has been not great at the minute. You know, the Elsa thing, I don't know who in his inner circle is telling him this frozen Elsa banter is sick. It's not, okay? If Mako or Adzi came out with this sort of stuff, I'd pull them aside. I'd have a word. I'd say this isn't funny. No one's enjoying it, okay? Okay. Izzy constantly going back to this Elsa frozen banter. It's like me saying shout out at the moment. I'm addicted to saying shout out. No one is enjoying it in my social circles. Across the board, negative feedback. Even my mum is like, what are you doing? Okay. So I think someone in Izzy's inner circle needs to say, mate, the constant frozen references are not hitting. And now you've got the optics on this as well, where Izzy just got 50-45 by Sean Strickland in an embarrassing performance, really. Again, no issues, Izzy. I love you, but it was just, you didn't turn up and it was really tough to watch. Sean Strickland got knocked into the shadow realm by Alex Pereira. So it's just not a good look. I mean, at what point do you say Pereira is better than... Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Izzy went to 205 and got beaten by Blahovic. Poetan beat Blachowicz. Izzy went to 205 for the belt, lost. Poetan won the belt. Like, man, it's kind of starting to turn into the Alex Pereira story, just quietly. I don't want to say this out loud, but between you, me, and the tree, what are we talking about here, dude? So, a lot of fun stuff in and around that that division right now. I think if Jamal Hill is out for like another year, Jamal Hill, by the way, too many Twitter fingers on his YouTube channel, Paper Champ, I don't like him. Okay, I think if he's going to be out for another nine months. If Johnny Walker beats Magomed Ankalaev in January, Johnny Walker versus Poatan for the strap, super fun fight. If Magomed Ankalaev beats Johnny Walker, delist him, okay, delist him. If Magomed Ankalaev lays on top of Poatan for five rounds and takes the belt off him, I will tear my voluminous hair out, my voluminous hair, I will rip it out of my fucking head, okay. But anyway, next up, we had Sergei Pavlovich against Tom Aspinall. Now, I'll come clean. I was four from five on the main card. I picked Sergei Pavlovich by knockout. Now, we all knew one enormous white man was hitting the floor. Unfortunately, I picked the wrong one. Whatever, okay? When they held each other before the, when they were facing off before the fight, cutest thing I've ever seen. I love Tom Aspinall. He's a very, very sweet man with the worst tattoos I've ever seen like, in my life, like, stop getting them, okay? It's the weirdest thing as well, because Tom Aspinall is, like, sort of a very placid, lovely bloke. I wouldn't go as far to say a nerd, but, you know, he's not... He's outgoing in that, but he's not... He doesn't have a lot of edges to him. You'd swear he's, like, a born-again Christian or something. And then he's just got the worst, like, his whole chest, feet, arms... They're the worst tattoos I've ever seen. And they keep getting worse. Like when he first was in the UFC and he had his arm tattoos were, he just had like little asterisks everywhere. I go, that's okay. He's a poor Northern guy. These are the tattoos he got. Now he's like a, not a millionaire, but you know, what does a UFC heavyweight superstar make? Like 150K a fight or some shit, lol. But he's got a bit of money and the tattoos are still as worse, if not getting worse. So he's got to fix those up. But I wish him the best. I love Tommy Aspinall. A great win, and it was a great fight, as advertised. You know, everyone's like, this fight will not get out of the first round. Someone's getting knocked, and that's what happened. So that's so sick. I enjoyed the fuck out of it, and uh, yeah, I just want to see John Jones versus Tom Aspinall now. I get that they want to make Jones versus Stipe for some reason. I'm not saying Stipe Miocic is old, but he went to high school with my dad. So you tell me, okay? If, if Stipe Miocic isn't old, why is he going to my dad's 30-year high school reunion? In fact, probably 40. My dad's 62, so that's what I'm saying here, okay? Stipe Miocic is so old. Last time we saw him, he was folded in half like a deck chair by Francis Ngannou, and that was in, like, I think 2011. So, really have no interest in seeing Stipe fight again. He's old and washed and the worst personality in the sport. Like... Stipe Miocic speaks worse English than Alex Pereira, and he was born and raised in Cleveland. So please, I do not want to see that washed, boring, nerd fight. I get it. He was great. That's awesome. Do you know what, dude? In 2015, I was actually pretty good at cricket. The thing is, we all have to move on with our lives at some point. Please make John Jones versus Tom Aspinall. They probably won't. If they don't, just make Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Garn. I don't really like Cyril Garn. I think maybe it's his attitude. Maybe it's because he's French. Maybe those two are related. Whatever, dude. But Cyril Garn beating, was it Sergey Spivak or whatever fat can they lined up for him to get him back on track and then saying, I'm waiting around for a title shot when he already had two he barely deserved and he ruined that pay-per-view with John Jones with his horrendous performance. I'd like to see Cyril Garn fight Curtis Blades or Jelton Almeida. And just get pummeled. But whatever, dude. Make Garn Aspinall. And I like to see Aspinall just chin him. And he can defend the interim strap for whatever reason. And then, finally... Duh, duh, duh. Oh, yeah. So, we had Mackenzie Dern got chinned by Jessica Andrade. i got to say, again, I was on Andrade. I honestly just thought... Because Mackenzie Dern, she's got sickening jits and she's very attractive. So, you've got to factor that in. And I think Sportsbet... The, the odds had obviously reflected that. Mackenzie Dern was paying $1.50 against Jessica Andrade, former strawweight champ. And Mackenzie Dern, like all people who have great jits, they love to stand. People who have great jits, they always want to stand for the first two minutes of a fight to sort of prove that they can. I have no idea why. I thought, if this thing stays standing, Mackenzie Dern's going to get knocked, dude. And Jessica Andrade was paying like $5 by knockout. Obviously, Mackenzie Dern tries to stand. She gets knocked down four times. It was kind of a mercy stoppage in the end. It's I don't know what Mackenzie Dern was doing. Like, someone teach her a takedown. Uh, it was a horrendous performance. She must be a Curtis Blades fan, the way she just wanted to trade with Andrade. Like, Curtis Blades tried to trade with Pavlovich. Look how that ended. Mackenzie Dern, apparently her tactics were to go in there and trade on the feet with the most powerful puncher in the strawweight division? I don't know. Okay? If I'm fighting a freaking five foot one lesbian with a short back and sides who's the most powerful puncher in the division, my game plan is not to trade with her on the feet. Okay? I know I've never fought before. That's just a hot take from yours truly. So unsure about that. I wish Mackenzie the best because she is very attractive. But at the same time, I'm a massive Andrage fan. So. Good to see her get back in the win column as well, and then finally Diego Lopez won. That was sick. Love that guy with his weird haircut. And then shout out to Loopy Godinez, dude. My girl Loops. She was my lock of the day. I had her in uh, two multi. She came through. I just love her. Okay, I love her. I love her. I love her. One money on her on UFC Noche as well. She's just a dog, dude. And they read out the scorecards. I had twenty nine, twenty eight loops if not 30-27 loops, okay? But Tabitha Ricci, her Brazilian opponent, is very, very attractive. And I think that reflected in the judges' scorecards. One judge had it, and they read this out first, 30-27, all three rounds for Tabitha Ricci. That is egregious. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That is pure corruption. I don't know if Tabitha Ricci promised to kiss this judge on the lips after the fight, if he gave her the rounds. And look, i got to say, if Tabitha Ricci offered me that and I was judging in an MMA fight, I don't know what I'd do, okay? I could crumble myself under the pressure because she is probably the hottest chick I've ever seen. But Loops, definitely rounds one and three, if not round two. Yeah, great performance by Lupi Godinez. I love her. Um, she's just an absolute dog in there. And I hope she gets a five-round fight next because she's hard to get out of there, dude. These Mexicans, Mexicans are impossible to knock out. And I absolutely love it. So a fantastic day of the UFC and an early tip dude, Paul Craig against Brendan Allen. Get on him. Okay. But anyway, that is the pod for this week. Unfortunately, it didn't work out scheduling wise with Rowan this week, but uh, some good developments with the pod. Um, We're going to be getting into a proper studio in the next week or two. And yeah, some big news with the pod coming over the next few weeks. Get around me. The brand will be finishing in 2023. The podcast will continue under a new name, new studio, going to have a lot of guests in 2024, a lot of new shit happening, so enjoy the last few weeks of Get Around Me as we know it. The podcast won't be stopping, but yeah, we'll be undergoing a rebrand, and yeah, so I think four or so episodes left for the year. Hope you're enjoying them, and I'll also be announcing tour dates in 2024, so lot of fun stuff coming next year and yeah maybe a different brand but it's still going to be two feet down don't you worry about that so thank you for listening and have a sick one dude